Last week, we had the opportunity to host our Expedition to Seoul program, and it was delightful. As part of that, I hosted a community coaching call, and you're going to hear about that on today's podcast episode. We know that you were born magical. We know that you are intuitive, and we know that you are brimming with everyday enchantment. Here at the Sisters Enchanted, we believe in intention, we believe in intuition, and we believe in everyday magic. Welcome in to the Expedition to Soul podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Expedition to Soul. I'm Sarah, founder of the Sisters Enchanted. And as part of our like rewind through this amazing experience we had last week in our Expedition to Soul class, I wanted to make our community coaching call available to each of you so that you could hear the goodness that we went through in that coaching call. We heard from people afterwards about the ahas and the things they were going to take away that were immediately going to change something in their life where they could make some everyday magic and feel more connected than they have in a long time. And I want to make sure that you get to hear it. So we're putting it on the podcast for you today. Listen in, take some notes and enjoy. All right. Let me go ahead and stop sharing my audio. Good morning. Happy Saturday. So today is a, it's, we're calling it a community coaching call. Uh, and I have some questions that were submitted that I'm going to speak to. And I also have some that I pulled from the comments and then also commonly asked questions that we get or questions we've had recently. Uh, that I haven't spoken to lately. So that's what we're going to do today. If you have questions as we go through or as I go through anything, feel free to put them in our chat area and I will happily speak to them as best as I can. And yeah, there we go. All right. So one of the questions that I received uh, was around shadow work and sort of um, how do you do that when other people in your life are not doing that same work also? And, you know, how maddening that can be. So how do you stay the course if other people aren't doing shadow work? So let's go ahead and do a little, what is shadow work? Let me grab, let me grab a scrap of paper here. I've got papers, papers lying around everywhere to do a little, what is shadow work? Actually, let me get one without stuff on it. And then we will go from there and answer this question. So shadow work has, we actually have a video class that we can um, give you in the group about this topic, um, but you learned about it through the lens of moon signs this week, and also through a little bit about your expansion archetype and where you might sabotage, um, which really comes from shadow stories. So think about Peter Pan, right? And how Peter Pan loses his shadow and goes after it, grabs it and has to sew it back on. Well, your shadow stuff are the pieces of you that are kind of like on a shelf floating around and you have not actively sewn them back on. And these shadow bits, they come from stories that you accumulate throughout your lifetime. They come from experiences throughout your lifetime. And what they do is these shadow bits, they contribute to our shadow emotions like anger, resentment, 
guilt, um, jealousy, these types of emotions. So when we're feeling these kinds of emotions, it's not a bad thing. It's part of the human experience. And I think an argument can be made that it's a very good thing to feel those, um, from time to time, a great human check-in. Um, but when we are feeling those, then there is a shadow bit of you that has been activated. So we want to identify our shadow stories to help understand ourselves and have some personal awareness around moving through the world. So if this is you, little stick figure person here, right? Your shadow, let me grab, use a copy of my first book, Magical Self-Care to write on here. (laughs) So if this is you, your shadow stuff is coming from all of these past stories. So if this is, if I'm the example here, I shared some of my story yesterday, kind of how I came to be at the sisters enchanted. Um, you know, what I didn't tell you is that my mom was divorced twice by the time I was in sixth grade. My, uh, my natural father, uh, really wasn't part of my life growing up. My first stepdad was not the kindest person in the world. Um, you know, all these different kinds of stories, body image stuff, right? People telling you what you are and are not good at arguments that you overheard as a kid experiences that you had situations you found yourself in. These are all parts of you from your past that contribute to your present shadow. They contribute to who you are right now. So right now, when I feel like my husband maybe isn't doing enough work around the house, (laughs) and I get mad and frustrated and resentful, that's being influenced by a story from the past, which is helping me or guiding me to interpret my present right now. So in doing shadow work, I can sit back and understand, well, where's this story actually coming from? Where's this emotion rooted, which will help me to communicate differently in the present, help me to understand myself better in the present, and then make choices that cast a different future. So if this is future Sarah over here, (laughs) that's future me, apparently. There we go. There's future me. So your past is from your shadow is created from your past stories. They influence your present right now. And what you're doing with that influence casts your future. So right in this moment, right now, today, some of you have gone for a walk. Some of you are staying outside. Some of you (laughs) I've had coffee. Some of you maybe had a dispute with somebody already today. It's 10 a.m. where I am. I've been up since 4.30 in the morning and I've already had my share of, you know, frustrations and why is this happening? And I don't understand. Um, And so we've all had, we all have these experiences, right? So we want to integrate these stories into our wholeness because they are what makes us who we are. They are what creates your personality, how you experience the world right now. And seeing that will help you to create a future that's in alignment with what you desire, not just more like loops of the same stuff again and again and again. So the question of how do you do this work, this work of self-awareness and growth and creation and manifestation, how do you do this when other people in your life aren't doing it? That is the question. Uh, And I, you know, I think that my first answer to that is going to be that most people are not doing this work. (laughs) Most people aren't actively doing this. So finding people who are. 
community. That's what I love about our community here is that there you are in community with loads of other people who are doing this and you're not alone. Um, and then aside from that, I think it's really the more you do the shadow work on yourself, you'll start to notice the difference. And when you have, when, when you are seeing the impact of the work that you're doing, when you are less responsive to the people who aren't doing it. Right. And that can take time. That can take time. For me, I've been doing this work for years and years and years and years and years. And it's only like the last year that I am not incredibly frustrated by people in my life who aren't doing this work themselves. And when these shadow emotions bubble up within me, I'm very quickly able to ask myself, how do I want to feel right now? How do I want to feel? And then how do I take action to feel that way? Because their lack of shadow work is actually not my problem. It's And it's not for me to manage or handle either, right? not for me to manage or handle either. Um, Alice, we only have our online community. We meet, uh, we don't have an in-person location. We did just meet in person with our mastermind group, which was super fun. But yeah, we all gather together online. Uh, we have, we host, I don't know, Anna's here. How many, between our holistic witchery class, astrology and our membership and our mastermind, I think we we must host 20 Zoom calls a month. Like, so many. <laughs> so Teresa's sharing shadow work is so hard. Well worth it in the end. Really help me understand more about why I react to the things that I do. Yes, exactly. So um, part of my story yesterday was sharing how, you know, when my daughter was born, my uterus ruptured, she was non-responsive. Um, and I was bleeding out for two and a half hours. And the doctors were saying all kinds of wild stuff about how it wasn't working. They can't leave me this way. Um, and then turn back the dial not too long before that my father-in-law passed away suddenly. And I had this moment of like, what does it, I want to live, right? Like, I don't want to just be alive. And I don't want to just be the good girl who went to college, got the job, did all the right things, you know, married a decent guy, had a house, all, all this stuff, all the good girl stuff. I realized that I really, really wanted to live. But the thing I didn't tell you in that story, because it wasn't really relevant yesterday, was that I don't have anybody else in my life who lives the way that I live. So when I started to make different choices in my life, and when I started to live in, in a different way, outside the box way, there was a lot of pushback from other people in my life, questions. And, um, you know, I have a, a particular family member who kind of loves to like comically burn me a little bit, but there's nothing funny about it. And it happens frequently. And, you know, that is a through shadow work that I've come to see that that is so much about them and actually nothing about me. And when you're doing this work of shadow work, the hardest part is going to be the other people, not necessarily yourself. It's going to be the other people. So when you know, though, that you are again, not the only person doing this and you have people to turn to, I think that can help. If you don't have that, I think that really learning to understand your truth, your authenticity, and what it is that you value most in life, what you prioritize, what you want to prioritize, and then feeling the confidence in, in living that, right? And that takes time. That does take time. It doesn't happen overnight by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, we offer tools if you're interested in joining us in any of our other programs that can help shorten that timeline. Um, but uh, so that's how you do it when nobody else is doing it. 
guess the answer is I would surround myself with people who are. <laughs> there is that that idea that you are the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think of that as you are you are a combination of the energy of the people you spend the, the most time with, right? So if you are surrounded by a lot of negative people or a lot of people who are sort of living, but not living, not alive, right? It, it does make it more challenging to sort of like scurry out of that and get somewhere else. It's not, not doable. I mean, I've done it. It's, so it is certainly doable. And I think that knowing why you want to do it and trusting yourself, hearing yourself is going to be the thing that keeps you going when other people in your life are not doing the shadow work that you are doing. All right. So you can go ahead and ask me other questions if they come up for you. Oh, I see Christiana is sharing. Shadow work has helped me realize when I equate myself with my stories too much instead of my authentic self. When I recognize that those around me, I don't, when I recognize that in those around me, I don't contribute to the story conversation and feed the fire. If I can't shift the atmosphere, I give myself an inner high five for not adding to it. Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. Beth says part of my shadow work was releasing expectations of others. Yes, for sure. That has been a game changer for me, releasing expectations for others. And I think that this is a very, it's kind of a, it's a pragmatic sort of thing. Actually, let me hold on. Oh gosh. My kid put papers down on my floor. So you probably hear me rolling over that. Um, one of the things that we do for those of you who might be interested in continuing on this learning journey with us, uh, through our neck, through our, our holistic witchery program, which is sort of our core offer. Um, if it's right for you, might not be right for you. Um, but one of the things that we do, this is the, this is the workbook for the class. One of the things that we really have you do is look at who you are, like really look at who you are, because when you know who you are and you truly know who you are, it helps you to sort of be kind of the, I don't know, set the tone for your own energy, no matter what else is happening around you. And also to adjust by your values. And when it comes to expectations of other people helps you to under, when you understand yourself more, you understand that other people are not you. Like they just are not you after this class, I'm going paddle boarding with my kids. And I would love for my husband to go, but he has no interest in going like 0% interest. And in the past that would have drummed up an argument with us. You know, I would have been like, that what it's fa it's family time. Why aren't we all doing this together? You know, you're just going to sit here and sit on the sofa. And I would have like felt really upset about it. But now I'm like, well, that's just not him. And I can't like, how unfair is it for me to try to make him be something that he isn't, you know, that what would I, how would I feel if he's trying to make me be something that I'm not? Um, and that comes with that shadow work as well. All right. Let's see here. Oh, Michelle's asking the holistic witchery workbook sent to you, or do you need to print it? Um, no, we don't send it out. You can access it digitally, uh, or we, but we do have a link so that you can order your own this way. So you don't, but we have several people who do it on like an iPad or something as well. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. I love it. I just want to hug it. All right. So another question that I got, and I had two similar questions. So Anna might have to yeah, hug away. Sorry. I'm like totally winded right now. I was dancing. And before that, we were having a little bit of like a tech situation 
So I ran to the bathroom with two minutes to spare before this started and I didn't quite recoup myself. <laughs> okay. I had two questions about neurodivergence, which doesn't surprise me that I get those questions because some of you might not know this. Um, that is what I did before sisters enchanted. That's kind of, uh, probably the thing that I am most knowledgeable about. So this question is around the expansion archetypes, um, and switching from a mapper to a seer and wondering if the unmasking from a, a new diagnosis is playing a part in this shift. Um, and then Anna, I think the question that Anna said we got was around, I think neurodivergence and birth charts. So let me just sort of speak to all of this, um, at large. All right. So let's first talk about what is unmasking because that actually does not just apply to neurodivergence. Um, and I think it's something that is being very newly understood in regards to, um, women in particular. So consider, you know, how you, and we do this, one of the activities we do in our shadow work unit is the web of web of you, where you sort of look at like how you react or how you relate to different parts of your life, you know, how you might be at home versus how you are at work. If you work outside the home, or if you are a person who has young kids and how you might be with one mom group versus another mom group. Um, and as a woman in particular, how you might try to present in a certain kind of way in certain situations. So there is a you that is your authentic self. There is a you that is your most authentic self. And anytime you are not in that most authentic self, you are essentially wearing like a mask, right? To fit into a certain situation. And I think, or what I've learned to be true or know to be true is that women do this more often than men because um, we, the, the expectations and standards on us are so much higher and they are concrete, a certain way that we should be in certain situations. So if you've ever experienced a traumatic, like a trauma in your life or been put down for the way that you look or something that you said, or a way that you were, and somebody said, girls don't do that, or that's not ladylike, or, or we don't do these things, Right that can lead to masking in certain situations later on, whether or not you are neurodivergent. And the thing about neurodivergence and life in general is that it's sort of a, a chicken and the egg situation because trauma and, and trauma is a big word. And when I say the word trauma, I mean, being bullied at the age of seven to like, you know, seeing a horrific thing occur in front of you, like anywhere in there. Um, does a similar thing to the mind that a neurodivergent diagnosis, what they look for in those diagnoses. So the way that your mind might react to either of those things is actually very, 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 very similar. And in a lot of cases, um, you, you can't pull them apart and distinguish like, what is it? So a person who might struggle with, um, executive functioning skills, like working memory or staying organized or completing tasks or um, showing up to things on time. That could be because of something like ADHD. It could also be because of a trauma earlier in life that, you know, maybe you don't even remember or like you don't qualify as a trauma. Um, and so the brain is similar though across the board. So when it comes to masking, 
I think that certainly when you start to unmask and you start to be your most authentic self all the time, your whole life will change. Like your whole life is going to change. And when it comes to the expansion archetypes in particular, the expansion archetypes shift very quickly depending on how you are at any point in time in your energy. So if you take the quiz and you're very much trying to do something in life, like fit in in an area, be right in that area, you might answer differently than if you didn't, right? Uh, If you weren't trying to do those things. So I think that to answer this specific question, I mean, I would just, the the final part is, should I buckle up to continue changing? And I would say, yes, (laughs) buckle up to continue changing. That's what I would say. The more that you let your truest, most authentic self out, um, the more you will get to know yourself for maybe the first time ever. So, and I will say too, this is a complete, this is a complete, no one asked for this, but I'm going to share it due to the topic. And also I know many of you are maybe considering joining us in holistic witchery. Um, and so, you know, who I am and my most authentic self. So I have worked with hundreds of people who do have diagnosed and undiagnosed neurodivergence and learning differences. One of my kids is twice exceptional with two different official diagnoses. One is the, is one has um, two suspected different ones, but due to my background and my other kid, I've never felt the need to go get them diagnosed, but I can tell you, and I'm a diagnosed ADHD, but I will tell you that it's that though that that truly in my heart of hearts, I do not believe that whether you identify as neurodivergent or you identify as whatever, or this or that, or diagnosis, I think that if you are a woman who was, you know, you are probably age 32 or, or older, um, and any, any woman really, I mean, I look at my, my daughter and just the way people talk to her, it's so different than the way they talk to my son. But particularly, you know, um, before the rise of social media, uh, I would say that these different ways of being in society have most likely had some impact on you where these things of unmasking, working memory, um, starting and finishing tasks are going to impact your life just because of the way in the society that we were, we were raised in. So Anyway, that is my two cents about that, uh, that nobody asked for. Now, the birth chart question, I think, was around, Anna might have to, um, yeah, what even is memory? Anna, was the question, like, I think the question was, how can you relate? Or I think it was, how can you use your birth chart to understand neurodivergence? Is that it? Oh, Crystal, is it your question? If you want to type it out, then I'll know exactly what your question was. Um, so I think from one of the bits that I thought about was if you are in relationship with somebody who is neurodivergent or not, or they have a trauma or, or maybe like, like my husband, he's very anxious. He has like no official diagnoses of any kind. He's a very, 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 very anxious dude, (laughs) like very anxious. And so when I look at his birth chart, he's a Capricorn rising and he's an Aries sun. Now I know that he's very anxious. So I also know because that Capricorn rising, if he does not feel in control and he doesn't feel like structured and he doesn't feel like there are steps and we know where we're going and everybody's safe and secure and like, you know, very Capricorn, um, you know, like in charge, everything's good energy. 
If he doesn't feel like that, he's going to be even more anxious. So I can take what I learned in his birth chart and apply it to what I know about him and what situations are going to, you know, make him feel even more anxious. And I know that his Aries son, he is going to like, he is going to come out like that God of war. (laughs) If he feels like a situation is not within that, that predictable safety structure of that Capricorn rising. Right. So he's going to get anxious when it's not that way. And then he's going to react accordingly. (laughs) So I know that about him. Um, another example in my life. Uh, so, you know, one of my kids is very, uh, a therapist recently suggested, you know, perhaps we have an oppositional defiant disorder situation going on, which had crossed my mind before this was said. So that's one of those things where I was like, you know, I know the strategies, we're just going to work on it. Um, but that kid is a Scorpio moon in the 11th house. So when I know that that personality tends toward, you know, like immediate defiance and arguing, but I also know that we've got a Scorpio moon in the 11th house. (laughs) I know that that emotional security and feeling emotionally nurtured, like if that's not there, we have, there's going to be no way in which that there's, we're going to not get a defiant response, like 0%. Um, So I can look at the astrology and sort of you know, just understand people on an even more human level, a more soul level and understand how we interact with one another. So that's an example in my actual life. So Crystal is asking the question was, does neurodivergence have an effect on how our signs affect us? So Crystal, I hope that that answered that question. Um, I think that it would be and, and neurodivergence to that topic is, you know, one ADHD person, can look nothing like another ADHD person, right? Like completely different presentations. So I think that if you have knowledge of, you know, looking at a birth chart or understand yours a little bit, you can also understand how you communicate with other people, you know? Um, so I have a Sagittarius stellium in my sixth house, which is the house of service. I'm a cancer rising. I'm a Pisces midheaven. Like I really want to be of service and I really want to nurture and take care of people. Um, And so I can understand that when I see somebody who might struggle with something that I've got to make sure I'm taking care of myself and not over serving. Right. So I can also look at how I would react in the situation based on my birth chart as well. All right, let's see here. Um, Just checking here. Yes. ODD is very challenging. The t- when I used to be a teacher, the only two kids who ever made me cry were both ODD kids. <laughs> um, and my one kiddo, I'm sure Anna knows which kiddo I'm talking about. Well, obviously that kiddo is one of your relatives. So I uh, can be a challenge for sure. Anyway. All right. So that was that. Uh, if anybody has any fellow questions about this. Yeah. And Nick, our astrologer, uh, has his psychology. He just completed his psychology, um, bachelor's. So we're really proud of him and excited for that addition to his, his teaching too. Um, all right. So another question that I had here, which was separate from that. And again, if you have any questions come up or if you want feedback on anything that you've experienced this week or done this week, um, 
totally just let me know. Oh, and Viani says the Taurus. Yeah, this kid I'm talking about, I'm trying to, I realize that, I mean, they're six and nine now, but when they're 26 and 29, they might not appreciate that. I just talk about them on the internet. So, <laughs> uh, but this kid, if, if people know my kids and, or know my, some of y'all were here on the same day, probably that I had gave birth to one of them. So <laughs> you probably know their birthdays. Um, cause I taught a class that day and then went and had that kid. Uh, but that, that kid's a Taurus son. And so it's just like a lot <laughs> anyway. Let me know if anything else is coming up for you here in the comments, and I'll be happy to speak to it. So another question that came through was after doing the energy clearing yesterday, um, the one that I hosted, this person just wanted to cry and was curious about what stimulated that reaction. Uh, well, so for one, remember that crying is a really good thing. Like it's very cleansing. And what we did yesterday in that visualization was clear out fear. So if you're crying or sweating or um, sort of if your body felt like dehydrated, like it had been through a workout, even though you hadn't been through one, that would make so much sense because you're releasing, you're clearing, right? You're releasing and letting all of that go. Uh, and so I would say that's what stimulated that reaction. Like you got what you needed and released it out. The thing about fear is that releasing fear uh, is certainly a layered process and we can be very afraid of releasing fear because when we release fear, like we have fear to keep us safe, you know, like I hike a lot and there's people where I live keeps their bears keep coming into the neighborhoods and in the woods. And just a couple of weeks ago, like someone was hiking and stopped at a stream and looked over and there was a bear there and I hike with my kids alone. And so, you know, I have the fear of bears because my body and my logic is like a bear will kill you. And so you should be afraid of that. Right. But releasing the fear of being afraid and still going on a hike can be almost more scary because then I'm, I've knowingly made this decision. So if something happens, like I walked right into that. Right. So do you see how, you know, how fear, are you understanding how fear works that we're afraid of things for a reason to keep us safe. And when we say I'm releasing fear and I'm doing it anyway, then if, then we are liable to ourselves, which is possibly more scary than the fear part, right? Like seven years ago, when I started doing things like this and getting on camera, of course, I was so afraid of what people would say, or if I would fail and fall on my face. And I could have kept myself safe and not done that. And by saying, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm going to do it. I put myself directly in like the line of fire to be ridiculed or to be criticized or to fail, you know, and that's can be scarier than just staying safe. So releasing fear is certainly something that I think would stimulate crying <laughs> for anybody, for anybody. Let's see here. Sarah sharing fear, choice, accountability, responsibility. <laughs> Sarah, I love that the, the notes just coming in. Um, yes, no, sweating, even if nothing came out of you, but maybe just the sense of like you had you were tired or felt a little drowsy. And maybe you felt nothing at all. And if that's you too, like there's not you're not broken, there's nothing wrong with that. It could also be just maybe the time of day wasn't right for you, or you're really preoccupied with other things and it just wasn't 
Like you just weren't there for it. And that's typical and okay as well to just not be available for something in a, in a moment. Like that's, you know, maybe like doing it another day, doing a month from now. Um, but totally typical also, if nothing happened at all, again, you're not broken. You didn't do anything wrong. All right. We are all energy and our energy dictates, you know, what we're available for and what we are not available for. Okay. The next question that I had from someone was that I'm an adventurer. I am always jumping to a new project and rarely finish anything. What can I do to move through this with meditation or any other suggestions? Uh, So an adventurer um, is, so it's a very wanderer trait to jump projects. Um, So if you're an adventurer and you find that qualification with yourself, I would, you know, some follow-up questions I would have would be around, you know, for anybody, for anybody really, regardless of your archetype, if you are a person who jumps from one thing to another, you can use your archetype to understand why you're doing that. So an adventurer might jump from one thing to another for fear of missing out or for fear of, uh, like if you have friend groups that like different things, like maybe this one friend group likes to go do one of those, um, painting paint parties or whatever. (laughs) I've never been to one of those, (laughs) but like one of those paint nights and you have another friend group that's like really into exercise and another one that like loves to, I don't know, watch movies on Friday and eat snacks. Um, and so if you, if you are an adventurer and you sort of have different groupings within your life, that would make a lot of sense to me that you would kind of start and jump and like, just kind of get in. And that's a lot of that masking too, because you're really shifting your personality group to group. Um, but also just fear of missing out with an adventurer. So they're wanting to understand that you can change that story of missing out, um, because you will always miss out on something in life. And when we can understand that it's okay to miss out on things and make choices that mean the most to us, um, we can start to reconcile that feeling of missing out. So as an adventurer, I would ask that question is, you know, where is it coming from that you're jumping from thing to thing? It's like a wanderer jumping from thing to thing could be because wanderers want to demonstrate their worth by how much they can do. So then that's what the wanderer wants to heal that, right? So an adventurer wants to heal this sense of missing out or letting people down by not jumping around. A dreamer who starts things and doesn't finish them or is kind of jumping from thing to thing, a dreamer would want to understand if those things they're choosing are constant casting to the past or the future. So for a dreamer, you know, a dreamer who's, maybe they had a parent that they weren't, you know, very close with and they're, you know, and maybe the parent passed away and the parent loved to sew. And so the dreamer might try to take up sewing because like somewhere in their mind, they're casting to the past, even though they don't really care about sewing, or they might think that like life will be better if only they learn how to knit. (laughs) And so now they're going to learn how to knit, but it's because they're thinking life will be better if I learn to do this. So you're, you can still be jumping, but the root with your archetype is understanding why and what part of you needs to be healed in that moment to stop sabotaging in that way. So a mapper might start and not finish things because they don't trust themselves to finish or follow through, or they don't trust that they're going to do it right. So they'll just start something else. Um, And then the seer 
who jumps around, they might be doing it to really avoid just locking into anything and the possibility of failure or being seen as a failure could be why a seer might do that. Um, so there you go. There you go. All right. Let's see here. So I think that, what was the other question I had here? One thing I wanted to say, and I did answer this in the group, but in case anyone missed it, if you did the expansion archetypes quiz and you had um, like three or more tied for the same result, then I would recommend you look at the seer videos because that's very, the seer is going to sort of place themselves everywhere. All right. Bridget's asking, what if you're a wanderer and dreamer split? Yeah. So if you have two that are the same, which has happened to me before too, um, my, if you're new to the archetypes, I would look at both, maybe the day to the, the first video for each, which is under the day two section and just ask yourself, which one sounds like you the most right now. So you're not overwhelmed with information, go through one and then go back through the other one. If you are a person who, you know, is a very, you can hand, like you can manage a lot of thoughts at once, then, you know, by all means go through both at the same time. Um, and I would look at that as, you know, with a wanderer and a dreamer in particular, you're both sort of on the same energetic um, line of worthiness. So with wanderer and dreamer, that's an interesting one because it's um, either way you're healing your worth that you're worthy right now. Um, so you have that in common with both of those, both of those things, trusting in, in your, your love for yourself, your unconditional love for yourself and your, and your worth. All right. Let's see here. What else? Do I have? All right. Another question I saw, or it was a comment perhaps was around, uh, doing two visualizations in one day. So I think for the future self visualization and the talisman visualization. Now I will say that I would typically never give you two visualizations in one day, but it was like a year ago or 18 months ago that we put out expedition to soul kind of in the way that it is now. And I was meant to drop, like I meant to drop off the talisman one and never did. So it just, now it's just always there. <laughs> so I will be honest that I, it's a great visualization, but I typically would not give you two in one day. Um, there is certainly nothing wrong with doing two in one day. And if you do, you know, for some people though, it can be particularly people who are very sensitive to like receiving information and seeing in your mind's eye and you just really connect in and lock into receiving, uh, maybe separate them and not do them in the same day, but you can do two, you can separate them. One of the things that we hear frequently around visualization is from folks who either truly like can't don't visualize, um, or people who just feel like they're not very good at it or people who feel like they, they don't meditate, uh, I will say that visualization for me is not like a guarantee. It's not a, it's, it's not a guaranteed thing. Sometimes I'll see something. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I just feel it. Sometimes I will like logically create a thought based on what I'm hearing. You know, I think that the most important piece of information I can give you, if you're interested in all of this great spirituality and like sacred practice work, and you work with tarot or visualization or crystals is to trust yourself and your connections and your feelings above anything else, because everybody experiences things differently. And just trusting in yourself is the most, most important thing that you can do. All right. And then finally, I saw so much love 
for Kiera's moon class. And the moon is the moon is such a powerful tool, such a powerful tool, particularly if you are a person who has doesn't have a regular or a predictable menstrual cycle, or if you don't um, menstruate and the moon can sort of really help lock in, help you lock into cycles. Um, and when you look at the moon and what sign it's in and the signs elemental association, and then, you know, your information or just your energy compared to the different elements that can really help you to understand more about yourself and how you're operating energetically in the world as well. So it's actually, I will show you, it's the first lesson in holistic witchery is dancing with the moon. So there's a whole, whole goodness on the moon in here. I just love it so much. Anyway, all right. Any other questions on this day about anything that you learned or experienced um, in this time together so far, or anything that came up today, anything that's just sort of hanging around in your mind? I'd love to answer it for you. Um, I'll just wait a minute and see if there's any other questions or if you want feedback on anything. Oh, let's see here. I saw that Sarah said. Sarah says, I'm a mapper 33. The next two are adventure and wander. Fascinated to discover that the mapper parts of self want to jump back to the adventurer. Is that normal? Well, Sarah, I would say that firstly, being normal is overrated. What's that quote from, um, what's the quote from practical magic? Being normal is vastly overrated. Actually, I have it in here, I think. Yeah, it's, I quoted it in my book. <laughs> my darling girl, when are you going to realize being normal is not necessarily a virtue? That's what it is. It rather denotes a lack of courage. So um, normal is nothing to be concerned about here at the Sisters Enchanted. I, I would say that with the Enchanted or with the expansion archetypes to keep, bear in mind that they, there's a reason that the quiz is as short as it is. Um, and that the questions I ask and when I wrote it are, are brief and we get right to the, right to the, the archetype. Right. And that's because it's meant to decipher you right now in your energetic embodiment of life in the world around you. So if you had a one, a response that was like, definitely the, the number one response, totally just focus on that. In, in the moment. Um, and just let that be the, the thing that sort of guides you as you're doing your inner workings. Let's see here. How do I do the classwork when my husband is against it and keeps sabotaging my time when I try to study? So I would ask the question, well, for more, for more information, my follow-up would be what, what is he doing to sabotage the time? That's what that's what I would ask first. Um, and my, 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 my tough love answer <laughs> is, is typically that unless somebody is like really holding you hostage, then there is a response you're having that is letting the time be sabotaged, which I know, I know that's a hard one, but if you give me more information, I can I can give more information back. I can certainly 
reflect back at you. Um, and in terms of people being against the things that you might learn here, like tarot, or um, we teach in holistic witchery, like ritual and circle casting, uh, I will say that I come from a very religious family, super religious family. <laughs> uh, and so I totally get people not appreciating. Uh, and one of my, I have two stories if from a religious standpoint, anyway, we do have a community member who's an Orthodox Christian. And when she started taking our classes with us, her husband had their priest come over and talk about it. And that her priest gave, gave her the blessing to join us here. Uh, and then when I was in confirmation classes in middle school, so I went to a congregational Christian church growing up, my minister told a story about a ghost, basically a deceased woman who came to him and he thought she was alive. He did not know and said, this is what you need to do. You need to come work at this church. And later he, he said to somebody, oh, this woman was, you know, the turning point. He said, I should do it. Described her as this like six foot tall woman um, with a cane, like very specific woman. And the people in the room with him turned to him and said, she died a year ago. And he told me this story or told us at our confirmation class. I will say that that's when I was like, mm, I don't think I need to be confirmed. And <laughs> not because of the story, but because I was like, there's more out there. And I want to tap into everything that's out there. Not just this, not just this piece, but that experience and this experience of our community member really helped me to see that, or our affirmation to me that uh, whatever it is, that people are worried about runs deeper than what they'll say they're worried about. Right. And so I would also question if people who are like, no, let's don't do this are more afraid of growth or what they'll learn about themselves as you grow too. So I know that that's been very challenging in my marriage is me growing has been very challenging for our marriage overall. All right. Aisha was asking, I got CR this time around. Why do I still feel like total mapper takeover. Well, Aisha, I mean, I can't answer why you feel like that, but remember that the seer will tap into like all of the energies. So I would consider where you feel vulnerable and being seen as a person who can take charge and get things done. And is there, is there something there to that question? All right, let's see. So he keeps interrupting me mainly is, yeah, I mean, I would, what do you have to do to not get interrupted? You have to lock a door. Do you have to leave the house? Um, you know, for a couple of years of the sisters enchanted, I worked outside of the house. I got an office, which I know is not like, I'm not telling you to go get an office, but you go to a coffee shop, uh, you know, what, what does that look like to just stop the interruptions, um, and make them not, not happen and set that boundary for yourself. Let's see here. Yes. Sarah will demand boundaries. <laughs> yes, I will. Cynthia is asking, how can I get focused? Seem to derail myself all the time. Cynthia, I understand why um, you are derailing yourself. So that's, so there's two different ways I could answer that. One would be, you know, are you derailing yourself to sabotage or out of fear? Or are you struggling with focus as a process? Because those are two different things that can be related, but also two different places to start. Uh, as, as well. So either of them though, I would certainly ask yourself to understand the outcome of whatever it is that you want to be focused on. So if it's a executive function issue where you like truly just cannot like focus, literally can't make yourself focus, 
if you know the expected outcome and write it on like a sticky note in front of yourself, work in short bursts of time, those are strategies that can help. But if you are unclear about the future that you want, which is making you feel like you can't focus, gaining clarity on who you are, what you desire and what an aligned life would feel like for you is a great, great direction to move in. Let's see here. Um, just checking through. Uh, yes, as we grow, the connection we have is not the same. Very, very true. Let's see here. Anita says expansion's personal. As you've grown, your circle's gotten smaller. Yes. Yes. And Amy's husband always says to me, why do you want to grow and change? I like you just the way you are. I've heard similar things from my husband as well. Uh, let's see here. Um, Beverly says, when I set my boundaries, studying class time, he sets rules of no lights after 11 and I should be in bed. And then I changed while he was at work and then he changed jobs and is home a lot. Big fights, but I've struggled through it. Yeah. You know, and, and I think too, to bear in mind that the, I'm getting so behind on the messages. I think now we're good. <laughs> setting a boundary and maintaining it is one of the hardest things you will ever do when you've not set them before. It is the, one of the hardest things you will ever do when you have not set them before. Um, and so if you feel like you've set a boundary and maybe you've been trying to set it for like four months now and you, you repeat it a lot, but you never really hold it or like you kind of hold it or you make exceptions, uh, the more exceptions you make and the more wiggle room you give, the longer it's going to take for that boundary to stick. And everybody in your life will resist the shit out of that boundary. <laughs> they will resist it so hard. Uh, but think about how you would be if you felt like, you know, if you felt like that you could always, whatever your favorite thing is, like maybe there's, maybe you love to go get like a coffee after work or something, or like you love to go to the store and you buy like four, like, I don't know, bins of yogurt every week. I, I don't know, whatever the thing is. And then suddenly somebody says there's a limit on that. Like now you can only do that on Mondays. Now you can only buy two. Um, now you can only X, Y, and Z. Like somebody has suddenly placed a boundary on it. You're going to be pretty ticked about that. And it's not different when we set boundaries for other people. Like they're feeling that same way. All right, let's see here. Uh, Aaron says point about growth hubs is a Taurus son, all in favor of my growth, but he does not love change. Yes. I get that. Totally get it. Um, Anna's asking as a pro baby wearer, how do you make your baby not pull out all your hair when they're on your back? Yeah. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Anna ponytail way up high, but she'll still get it. <laughs> she'll still get through it. Um, Let's see. Danny says, my husband used to make joking comments about me at the help of TSC. I learned to use my words. Love that, Danny. Yes. Yes. Learn to use our words. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish that I could for anybody on the fence about joining us in holistic witchery. It is, you're going to learn the moon. You're going to learn chakras. You're going to learn to write spells and do rituals and cast circles. Like you're going to do everything magic and you're going to learn how to set boundaries. You're going to learn more about who you are. You're going to learn to use your words. <laughs> it is the truly magic with the practical combined. And we do that because over the years of doing this seven years, I know that just learning tarot, connecting to crystals, learning to cast a circle, that's all well and good. But if you don't know how to speak your truth to somebody else, 
it's not going to help you. And if you don't know why you want what you want, it's not going to help you. And all of this magic that we love and the witchery and the spiritual can very quickly become just like a hobby or a distraction. Um, if you aren't doing the other stuff too. So that's why, that's why it comes together. <laughs> you limit on yogurts. I know. I don't know. I was trying to come up with something. <laughs> oh, and Sarah recommended a great book called boundaries. Yeah. So I have set boundaries and force them and husband gets really angry about it. Bad temper and very self-centered and really afraid of witchcraft. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm not in your house to know everything, my, what I would say, cause we have a small group mastermind also where we talk small group and I'm do a lot of coaching and, you know, really like, I don't, I don't come in soft, you know, <laughs> I'm not really the soft spot to land person. Uh, so I would ask yourself, and again, I'm not in your home, so I don't know the answer to this. What's the worst that could happen if you just enforce the boundary? I mean, are we talking like something the worst that could happen is some like an escalation to the point where you no longer want to live in your house. Is that the worst that could happen is the worst that could happen. You have to sit in the room with the door closed and until the steam blows over and eventually the boundary is, is laid. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but in these situations where I hear a lot of yes, and this happens and then this happens and then this happens, my question is always, what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst thing? And if the worst thing is something so worse that you wouldn't want it to happen, then my question would always come back as then why are we in that situation? That would be my next question um, to any, for anything, for anybody, right? For a job, even if you're like, well, I could get fired. Well, do you want to be in a job where you would get fired for doing X, Y, and Z? Like that doesn't seem like a way to live to me. Um, and as a person who grew up with dads with bad tempers and has broken open doors to break up fights and has had younger siblings crying in rooms on beds, I get it. This isn't coming from a place of not understanding what you're saying. Um, and also I would still say what's the worst that could happen. And is it, you know, go from there, go from there. All right. Let's see here. Just squishing back through. Uh, oh, and Anna's saying, so I'm um, not everyone here identifies as a witch. Very true. There's, I would say probably 50% of the people in our community like don't use the word on any kind of regular basis. <laughs> Unless I say like, hey, witches. And then that's the most they use the word witch. Um, so yeah, the word witch is a, it's a, it's a, it's a word that is loaded. It's a very loaded word. I, what's really interesting, I think about the word and the misuse of the word is that, um, people, like I see this a lot with Salem, Massachusetts, we've hosted events there and brought lots of women there and I, we don't live that far. So we're there often. Um, and what's so interesting is we have this witch culture around like witches, right? But these people that were killed for witchcraft were not witches. They were, they were people who had land or single women in some cases, old men who had land that the town wanted, and then they were called witches and killed so that somebody could have their stuff or they could have be blamed for something that was happening, right? Um, people that wouldn't comply with government regulations, people that weren't complying with maybe going to church every Sunday or however, you know, like whatever those structures were, these were not people that would have said, I am a witch and then killed for witchcraft. 
these were regular everyday people. And witchcraft, as we see it often now, um, is very much rooted in Wicca, which wasn't a, it's not a, it's not a sacred old um, religion. Wicca was developed between the fifties and the seventies, um, by a person. Uh, and then we have paganism, which sort of encompasses nature, spirituality, and, uh, any like pre-Christianity tradition has kind of been umbrellaed into that term. Um, and so I think that the word witch by and large is a word that's very loaded, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, very misconstrued. Uh, and what I love about using the word witch is that it really signifies anybody who was other, anybody who had what somebody else wanted and wasn't going to give it up. Anybody who, anybody who, you know, um, was a healer when the town wanted them to stop being a healer, anybody who didn't want to comply and go to this meeting or that church or, you know, a, a single elderly woman who was just single elder, elderly woman. Right. So in the traditions of the European witch trials, the Salem witch trials, by and large, not always, but by and large, it, it was just these people that were like the scapegoat and or people trying to like take their stuff or just other them or prove a point. So what I love about the word witch is like when you use it, you are automatically deciding that you're like siding with the other. <laughs> so whoever other is by using the word witch, you're automatic. If you're like, I'm a witch, you have automatically put yourself in with all those people who were just like condemned of witchcraft for no good reason, but were everyday people. So that's what I love about the word witch uh, in terms of religion and spirituality, um, you know, nature, spirituality, as a person with a very Christian background, um, nature, spirituality would be the, uh, you know, closest sort of thing I would use for my religion or spirituality. Um and I actually had a great experience growing up in the church that I went to. Uh, like we often had Christmas presents and Thanksgiving dinner because of that church and my mom didn't have any money. And so I had a really great experience um, in that way. And I still, you know, would just identify as something different. Um, but in terms of that word, which I certainly, to me, it's like the word, which and religion have nothing to do with each other, in my opinion. Uh, and we can look at witchcraft or witchery and we can say tarot is witchcraft. We can say it's spirituality. We can say it's secular spirituality. We can say it's Christian shamanism. We can, you know, what, whatever you want to say, you can, you can say it, but I, I do not think that the word witch actually has anything to do with religion whatsoever. It has a lot more to do with history than it does religion. Um, so take all that as you will. Uh, and yeah. There you go. There's my two cents on that. My two cents there. Um, but yes, and that uh, acronym, which a woman in total control of herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. All right. Any other thoughts or questions? Anything else? Love Sarah's two cents. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes my two cents turns into five cents and 10 cents. Should back it down a little bit. All right. Well, then 
we have one final call tomorrow. Oh, Angela. Yes, Angela. I think Kim answered you over in the circle group, um, Angela, for the astrology fundamentals. We have a final call tomorrow where we are going to do a future vision, sort of fill in the blanks. I called it a Mad Libs, but it's more like fill in the blanks. Um, yeah, Renee. Renee works the overnights as a nurse. I, so Renee, catch the replay. We'll have it for you. Um, but we're going to get that worksheet out to you and we're going to do a future visioning. I'll play some music. We'll do a little dance party. I'll see if I can't get some team TSC to come hang out on camera tomorrow as well for any last minute questions that might come up for any of the classes, um, anything like that. Yes, Joan, we have a call on Monday, Sacred Space Call, which is open to the public. Joan and Ty, hello, both of you. And uh, we will, I think I got Naomi, if you are here or someone on Team TSC, let's get that posted, the link in the community group so friends can share it out to folks. Um, and so we want both the shareable link and also the direct access Zoom link and make it really clear which one is which for Team TSE, whoever is going to catch that ball that I'm throwing out there right now. <laughs> I appreciate my, it's a, it takes a village over here. It's certainly not, not me um, doing all of this. Let's see here. Valerie's asking, can you tell us more about holistic witchery? Yeah. So holistic witchery is a, oh, Bridget, you just signed up. Awesome. Yeah. We have it on a great registration right now. And there is a special bonus if you sign up by the end of the weekend. So you want to go check out that page and learn more about that. Uh, holistic witchery is a lifetime access program. So the questions we get are always time and money around holistic witchery. Um, I will say that it does the payment plan if you are a person who has disposable income to go to Target and run through the drive-through, the payment plan is feasible for the 12-month payment plan on it. Uh, the time commitment will vary depending on how deep you want to go. The material is deep and wide, and we don't expect you to do it all at once. The thing about holistic witchery is that it will grow as you grow. And one of my recommendations when we do the onboarding and orientation for it is that you set an intention for the time period you're going to work on it, go through it at whatever level you go through it, and then you can do it again and again and again. We don't charge you for ongoing access or like more access to the program. Uh, we do, Holistic Witchery works in blocks essentially when you register now. So starting Monday, the 31st, our astrology fundamentals unit is kicking off and that is going to run for, I believe it's five weeks, July 31st through like the start of August. And you will do that astrology fundamentals program part of it with Anna, Nick, Kiera, and Kelly. They're going to host that this summer and you'll have access to all those materials. And again, you never lose access to the materials or the replays. So even if you can't come live. You can watch those in the future. And then the core holistic witchery, we will begin again the first week of October. And that goes eight weeks. And I teach one day a week on Monday and Kelly teaches on Thursdays. And again, we do have all the replays for you. You will have access to all the materials right away though. So you don't have to wait till October to jump in. We'll get you in the community group. And Anna will speak to all of that during the orientation call on Monday, July 31st as well. And because we know how busy everybody is, because let me tell you, I'm a homeschool mom. I don't know if I mentioned that I homeschool, I'm the breadwinner in my family. 
I'm the, I do most of the parenting and I'm a business owner. I know what it's like to be like, I don't have time for anything. I get it. And that's why we make it so accessible that we have all of the materials in an audio feed. So you can listen to it podcast style. And then also so that you can um, get the printed materials just sent to your door if that's what you want to do, or like download the PDF on a GoodNotes app or something like that. If you have a tablet that that works with, but we make it so that it is very easily consumable. If you're not a person who wants to tap into like varied resources over the weeks, because I am not one of those people personally, that does not work for me. <laughs> so some people come to all of the lives. They have like more, this is what they've cleared the deck for, right? And other people are squeezing it in, in the nooks and the crannies, but we've set it up for success in whichever way you want to participate. All right. Astrology fundamentals. Um, if you are in that, it should be in your class site in there for you. Joan's definitely squeezing. Yes, that's me. I'm a, I was about to say I'm a squeezer. That does not sound good. Renee, where's Renee? Renee Aruda. If I said I'm a squeezer, that probably put your mind in the gutter. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not say those words again. <laughs> I'll just keep those to myself henceforth. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Um, is it Alice is asking a yearly subscription or one-time payment? Holistic witchery is a one, once you pay for it, it's yours. Um, I will say that we do also have a membership and a mastermind, which are subscription-based. Uh, we don't typically open those to like people who've not been in holistic witchery because I, uh, much of the sort of mindset stuff that we would cover and the moon cycle stuff we would cover in the membership and the mastermind, um, you can get like halfway there, like 50, like, you know, you, people who've taken holistic witchery are so much closer to, uh, like they've leveled up their mindset so much that if you've not done that, uh, it could feel a little challenging to keep up. I feel like, but let's see here. What else is going on? <laughs> gutters are not bad. Viani's asking, can we get a pre-order going for sisters enchanted mug? I know. Okay. I am Viani. I'm going to do my best to honestly think on that. <laughs> to honestly think on it. <laughs> I know you've been like several people have been asking for the OG sisters enchanted mugs. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to promise, right? I solemnly swear that I am going to put an honest think into that effort. We have um, the planner for next year on the docket. I have a new book coming out and I'm writing down the word mugs right now. <laughs> Please, mom. I know I will on, I will give it an honest think <laughs> about how to make that happen. <laughs> All right. Yes, yes, we had a 2022 planner and the 2023 one is actually written. It's it's totally written. We just have not had it built yet, but it's been written for months. <laughs> so it is ready to go for next year. We learned a lot doing it the first time and we were hoping to have like a hardback for next year. I don't think we're going to get it in. Um so but we'll we're still we're still getting our wires crossed on that and, and getting everything together. All right, y'all. Well, I'm going to end this now because I'm going paddle boarding and 
<laughs> so like my children about these mugs, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to work on it. Um, I'm going to go paddle boarding. Definitely. Um, put any questions you still have over in the group. I would love to answer them for you. And I hope to see some of you tomorrow at the same time so we can wrap it up and do our future vision exercise. And let us know if you're interested in holistic witchery. Um, you know, we're, we're not like a high pressure. We're not going to high pressure you in there, but I know it changes lives. So if you're on the fence, let us know your, your reluctance, your hesitancies, and we'll give you our honest feedback if it's right for you. Uh, and I will, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening into today's episode of the podcast. I know that there was so much juicy information in this episode. So you might even want to go back and listen to it again. If you think that one of your friends could benefit from this information, be sure to share it with them. And if you want more teaching, more goodness, just like this, our holistic witchery program is open for registration through the end of the week. Be sure to check that out at holisticwitchery.com. We would love to welcome you in there. And, you know, if it's not the right fit right now, just enjoy the podcast, keep listening, and we bring these to you each and every week. Until next time, I hope that you have an enchanted rest of your day. If you liked this episode of the Expedition to Soul podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it will really help us spread everyday magic, intention, and intuition to the masses and helps us so much as a small business. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. There are new episodes every Tuesday and astro forecasts for the week ahead every Friday. If there's any topics you'd want to hear, anything you want us to dive deeper into, shoot us an email at magic at the sisters enchanted.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening and being part of the community here at the sisters enchanted, and we'll see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.